This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. It's a big game today, lots of talk, lots of hype, and of course Liverpool wanted to get back to winning ways after that disappointing result against Napoli, but not so much. It was a 0-0 draw against Manchester City. You can't really grumble at the result. Two teams with so much quality um, fighting it out. And joining me on this podcast, I have some amazing callers who will have some great questions for my panel. And speaking of panel, without further ado, let's introduce them. It is a man you've heard many times on Anfield Index recently. Uh, I call him Steve, but he's actually called Sam Evans. Sam, welcome to the show, AI contributor, everyone. Hi, Nina. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm good. Uh, Not too many complaints, but we will discuss everything as the show progresses. Thank you for joining us, Sam. And joining Sam, I have a returning guest. He normally talks a good... He normally tweets about movies and other things but today he's back on he is discussing liverpool he is mr mike williams mike welcome to the show hi nina thanks nice to be back as well no it's it's great having you on i believe the last time you were on it was crystal palace and you talked Mm -hmm. a good game so it was only fitting that i call you back i'm like jürgen klopp if you're good you get called back (laughs) thanks i'll take that as a compliment (laughs) <laughs> uh, just not as happy as him and, you know, not as infectious or sweet or endearing. But, you know, enough about that. We are going to move on to our callers. There's plenty to discuss. So um, a- another familiar voice on the Nina Kauser show. It is Mr. Kwesi Davis, Mr. Happy, Mr. Optimistic himself. Welcome to the show, Kwesi. Thanks, Nina. I don't know what you're talking about. You're well sweeter than club. <laughs> I pay him to say these things, people. That's why he's got a regular <laughs> slot on the show. <laughs> yeah, check in the mail and all that. Yeah. Uh, happy to be here. Thank you, Nin. No, it's a pleasure having you. Kwesi, uh, what points and what thoughts would you like to raise with uh, Sam and Mike today? I'd like to discuss the midfield. You see, because um, especially Navikita's role in there, I, I I was optimistic when he came on because Milner wasn't having that great a game on the ball, as Gags mentioned before the show. And uh, I felt that 
Nabit Keita has more quality on the ball. I noticed he kept begging for the ball. Then off the ball, there were gaps that Milner would have covered that just he didn't. He didn't cover. It's not yet natural to him. And I'm thinking, we have Fabinho, who we know is a dominant central midfielder. We have Nabikita, who we know good he is. Why can't we just go back to a double pivot? And um, that's what Klopp did for years at Dortmund, and he did it in 15-16 for us as well. And, and um, then just behind the scenes, work on the 4-3-3. And work on those guys being integrated. Because right now, we're not hurting teams. Not not with the midfield. So, yeah, that's my point. No, um, I think it's a valid point. I think it's one that many share their concerns with. Uh, Sam, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Because I want to get your thoughts on Naby Keita. But first, you know, I think what we should do is kind of discuss um, the whole situation with, with Naby Keita to begin with. I, I genuinely think Klopp just put him on the bench just to kind of have him as an as an option or a later on option. I think the reason why maybe Naby Keita, we didn't see the best of him, is because, let's not forget, he picked up that injury against Napoli. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like that kind of affected his, his game because one thing that I really, the one thing that really impressed me about Naby Keita, I want to get your thoughts on this, is when Klopp bought him and he started the season with him. He was like hands down man of the match for like two like two games consecutively. He just completely changed the complexion of the midfield. And I think Kwesi is right. I I, do, I feel like he's he's lessened that intensity. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, for this game specifically, you, you can totally understand why he went for the midfield he went for. Um, a combination of the fact that we did really well against City last season. So, you know, obviously we're missing Chamberlain, but apart from him, you know, it's the same midfield. And second of all, as you said, Naby's had that. It was a scary-looking injury at the time uh, in midweek. So I think he was, he was never going to be starting today. Uh, regards to Naby, it's, it's, it's another one where you can see his ability. You can see he's, he's one heck of a talent. But him and Fabinho especially, you can see that they're not quite, up to speed with how Klopp wants to play things. So I very much believe that those two players are going to be pivotal in maybe the last four four to five months of the season. But it is clear, though, that sometimes positionally, they're not 100% up to scratch. So um, Keita today, I thought he did a decent job. Uh, but, you know, as you pointed out, maybe a couple of times he lost his position and, and wasn't quite 100% he might have been nursing himself slightly after that midweek. But whatever happens, we, we've got a cracking player there. And I just think it's a matter of time. Give him a couple of months. And I really think Naby's going to be firing for us. I think that's a fair shout. And Mike, I'm going to come to you. I want to get your thoughts on Naby Keita as well. I mean, it's really hard when, when you play Manchester City because they're up against a quality midfield. And that's something that you've got to take into consideration as well. Well, I know we're speaking about, you know, maybe Naby Keita being pulled out of position and maybe there were some spaces. But... One thing that I feel like he has certainly over James Milner in in like recent games, because James Milner has been very good, but he's had a few, uh, you know, I'd say off the boil kind of performances. He does have, he's got an engine and he's got a lot of industry and he's going to last a lot longer than maybe someone like James Milner who has looked a little jaded and a little tired. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think we did miss Milner when he went off because that was obviously the strategy to have Milner in that midfield and he's like you, you know what you get with James Milner he's efficient and he does his job well. Um, 
And yeah, I, I agree that sort of Cater has his performance today. It, it didn't feel as energetic or as sort of he wasn't as on the ball as he had been in previous games, especially at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. But as you were saying, I feel like you perhaps shouldn't be too hard on him because at the end of the day we're playing Man City and when you're in a team like Man City or whether Chelsea or you know other great clubs of great players it can affect certain players you know players can be nullified so I wouldn't necessarily say he had a pretty bad game but he did give the ball away and I don't feel like he quite gelled. He wasn't quite as um, confident as on top of things he was against, say, West Ham. But obviously, you know, the quality of West Ham to Man City is at two different levels. Um, but yeah, he just didn't quite look. Whether whether there was anything sort of psychologically from that back spasm he had, um, obviously not starting was was a, was a I think would have been Klopp's choice anyway. Mm. Um, you know. So, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say there's anything to, sort of to worry about with him, um, but I do think there is still a bit of an issue with our three in midfield and three attackers still either one, trying to find the best combos with, with all those players and, and just how, and two, how, how they're, they're gelling. Um, obviously, you have to adapt for different teams, but I think we did a competent job against Man City. We just sort of dropped off basically in the midfield and the attack. We weren't quite as potent as we were, um, as you know, say the first sort of four or five games, um, and especially of last season. But um, yeah, I, I still think Kater is is a good sort of building block to work around and having him in that midfield as a sort of as a sort of priority midfielder, to be honest, because you need to see him what he can do, like. Mm. Um, in previous seasons as well, I mean, in other clubs. I think as well, I mean, guys, feel free to jump in at any point. I think, um, you know, if he didn't pick up that injury to, to Napoli, I believe that he would have been one of the first names on that midfield because what I find is certainly with them um, when we're playing Manchester City is sometimes Roberto Firmino has to jump into that midfield to press and to win the ball. And I feel like a player like Naby Keita, what he does and what he offers is he offers the dribbling from central midfield, which is quite rare. And I think that would have been a real nice asset added bonus. Another threat, another... Another, you know, conundrum for Manchester City to deal with. And I feel like because of he had, because he had that injury, I feel like he wasn't on that game and he wasn't on that level. I feel like if he was fully fit, this was a game that he would have really kind of announced himself even more against some of the best midfielders. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. I mean, it, yeah, it would be nice to say, I think maybe psychologically he was not quite 100% there after say, you know, after being taken off midweek and, been in hospital as well. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, obviously, I don't know what the, if, the, if that was conclusive as to what was actually wrong with him. But um, obviously, we all thought he was going to potentially be out for a, potentially a while because he was obviously stretching off, and it turned out to be like a back spasm. And um, yeah, maybe he was a little bit cautious. But I don't know. I think I think he will sort of grow into that role at Liverpool, and he will impress against the bigger teams because um, that's what we want, isn't it? We obviously want. Mm-hmm. new players and the existing front three to be bossing it against Man City, for example. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly worried about them ultimately. You know, I'm not worried about them, no, not worried about them ultimately. But when I look at the team and I look at how Fabinho and Naby played 
a game like this with Nabil in central midfield and being the focal point and picking up the ball, starting to link up the play and picking up a head of steam and then bypassing Firmino as Nin mentioned. And then Fabinho just covering the wide areas as, as people like Gomez and Robert break forward, which he's eminently qualified to do given his history as a right back. As far as I am concerned, I think we're now missing a trick. Yes, it's going to take time. So while it takes time, play a certain way and spend a f some time on the training field practicing the way you ultimately want to play. And, and nobody cannot, nobody feel with Fabinho and Keita as a double pivot. Lemma, the Diego Demma and Keita combination would not guarantee us a more dominant position and a more dominant base. Having said that, I'm really happy with the drawing. Mean, mm. Absolutely. Kwesi, Kwesi, can I just yeah. um, put a question to you? I mean, sure. valid points, absolutely valid points. I think everyone, you pay that much for those midfielders. You want them to start and you want them to feature. You want upgrades. I completely get you. But And I think it is something that they are working on the training pitch. But I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think a game against Manchester City is the day that you experiment with these players? Surely do you not pick them, you know, you've got to be tactical about, you know, when and when you choose to experiment, surely maybe against the likes of a Huddersfield might be more likely? Um, I get your point, and that's fair. And perhaps today might not have been the day. But again, these guys have been playing this thing for years. Klopp himself has been coaching this for years. And the supporting cast, all sort of know it except for Robbo. And so I don't think, I mean, a double pivot is what Van Dyke came from in Southampton. Mm. And, you know, you know um, Gomez was around, albeit he was struggling coming back from injury, when we were playing the double pivot when Clark just came. I don't think that the mental adjustment would have been that significant. And the two players in question, it's like drinking their mother's milk to them. So, so yes, you have a point, but um, I think it would have been fine. Okay. Any any response from that, Sam or Mike? He's made made some really good points there, mate. I can't can't really argue with it. I think we're gonna we are gonna see the best of Kate. Uh, it is clear he's got a lot of talent. We we don't know him and Fabinho are the future. I got absolutely no doubt about that. And I just think it's. It, they, we don't know what's going on on the training ground, don't we? And I, and I can just imagine that the Klopp is seeing them week in, week out, and they're not quite there yet. So fair play to the guy; he's playing the guys who are performing yep. the best in training. So at this moment in time, talent-wise, those guys have got a far higher ceiling than our current midfield. Mm. But until they're doing the biz on the training on the training pitch, they're not going to be starting for us. But I think give us a, in the next couple of months. I think we'll see that they'd be regular starters. Yeah, well, Kwesi, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like yeah. to share? I just want to say big up to... I, I'm at a conference in Atlanta, so I moseyed on down to the Atlanta LFC supporters. And the atmosphere in there was amazing. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Guys singing <laughs> all sorts of songs. So I have, to, I have to big them up and say, really and truly, they, they came up trumps. I think that's why um, Mar is Mr. Penalty. 
<laughs> you heard it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, Cressy, and a big up to um, uh, the Atlanta LSE supporters group, and I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, man. Don't know. Have a good day, everybody. You too. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Cressy. Bye-bye now. That was our first caller, a familiar voice, Cressy Davis. We're going to move on to our second caller, and it's been a long time since he called my show, but when I heard that he was on, I had a big smile on my face. He still owes me an article on Anfield Index. It's Stephen Balligan, AI Pro subscriber. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Good afternoon, Nina. How are you? I don't forget. I've got a memory like an elephant. <laughs> I know. I know. You remind I'm me. I'm steps like one as well, trust me, but that's off record. <laughs> It's going to be an epic when I finally get around to um, completing this article. <laughs> it's going to be my pinned tweet. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How is everyone? Good evening. <laughs> really good. Really good. You know, not much to complain about. I think Liverpool have had a really, really tough run of fixtures. And yeah, absolutely. What can you say? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm super relieved. Um, not because I was worried that we might lose to City. But, um, you know, I've been, as someone who likes to be optimistic all the time, I'm always concerned concerned by fan reaction. Um, and I, I read an article the other day saying Noel Gallagher said something like, if we lost to City, we would implode. Um, and I think he had a point because I think the fan base is just primed, um, <laughs> you know, for uh, adverse reaction. And I'm glad we didn't lose. Um, we could keep the good vibes going for a little while longer. So happy days. No, Gallagher's a Tory. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, I, I, I get your point about social media. It, it can be very reactionary, and I think sometimes people maybe watch the game in isolation. They feel the need to vent. Maybe they write things to be trendy, hip, controversial, all those things. Yeah, there's lots of reasons why people tweet and. Sometimes I think it's just to get a reaction. Sometimes I feel like a lot of these accounts that kind of what clop out, etc., or sometimes overly sort of diss our players. I feel like our troll accounts and are run by rival fans. If I'm honest, um, it's just a bit of a murky place sometimes. She Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, what what thoughts or what takeaways do you have from the game? I mean, you've just expressed mm-hmm. that you're delighted that we didn't lose. Uh, I want to get your mm-hmm. thoughts. Yeah, I mean, given that. I mean, I, I counted two penalties that, well, they got one of them. Um, but there was another one that our, our, our favorite family defender, um, <laughs> gave away earlier on in the game. Um, you know, you have to be pleased with the draw. Um, we did get away with one. Um, definitely. I, I thought that was 100% a penalty in shoe on the other foot. I'd have wanted us to get that penalty. Um, so, and you know what? The amount of penalties we haven't been given and decisions that have gone against us, I think we were due that. Um, the second one, yeah, referee was right again. I think um, Van Dyke didn't get the ball, um, brought brought Sane down, absolutely terrific pace. So you know we have to um, accept that. Um, and <laughs> thank you, Maureen. <laughs> thank you very much. But um, the point I wanted to make really was um, to talk about our attack. And, mm. you know, they've seemed out sort for a while now. Um, and I just wanted to get what you guys' views were on it. Um, individually, when you look at it, I don't think they're playing terribly. Yeah. Um, but there's just, just something, just something missing. And I mean, I have a theory, um, but I'd be interested to hear what, 
what the panel has to has to say on the attack and what their view views are on that, um, especially today, um, where I think they worked very hard. Um, but you know, this doesn't seem the same, does it? It doesn't. But what's your theory? So you know, if I agree, I can pretend that I was thinking the same all along, and you know, take some credit for it. Yeah. So I. <laughs> I was looking at the mid- midfield and, you know, I want to caveat this by saying I think we've had some really intense games over mm-hmm. a, a really short period of time. So that's bound to have taken something out of their legs and, and you know, physically taken something out of the team, but also mentally, um, you know, to maintain that high level of performance consistently over a short period of time. Um, so let's caveat it with that. But I feel like for the first time in a long time, and I'm not one that's been like, we've missed Coutinho. Um, I don't even want to mention that name, but I feel like the Fakir deal not happening over the summer, I can now see why we pushed so hard for it. Because I feel the strikers, are, um, the forwards are suffering from having someone break him from midfield with the ability to take it past a man or draw in two or three players and create a bit more space for them. Um, we've got guys who can pass the ball, who can pick a pass, but you need sometimes. And, you know, when Naby Keita does it, um, as he did, um, oh God, I can't remember what game it was. He just broke through midfield. I think it was against West Ham and he was carrying the ball through. It just opened the game up. Um, and, you know, bless Milner, bless Ginny, bless Hendo. Um, Ginny more than the other two. Um, you know, he can do it a bit more than they can, but, you know, you haven't, haven't really got that guile. Um, and I think maybe the attackers are actually struggling from that. And that's my theory anyway. It's a good theory and it's something that I think a lot of people have noticed as well. Mike, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Uh, one thing that I've kind of really noticed with the attack, certainly this season, I want to get your thoughts on this and certainly against Manchester City as well. First of all, I feel like... I think defenders have just wisened up to our front three. I feel like they've kind of closed down spaces because if you saw more Salat in today's game, everything was pretty much right. He was kind of trying to make the right run. The movement was there. He was trying to do everything. But every time he got the ball and tried doing his turn, last season he had acres of space. This time he was like, literally every time he turned, he turned into a defender. I think that's the big significant difference this season as well. I feel like people are wisened up and not giving him space because... I think the threat has been exposed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think yeah, teams are more switched on, I think, this season because of how devastating not only Salah was last season, but our whole front three. Mm-hmm. Um, we would just, we found it so easy to just rip through teams, rip through defences. And that was kind of the, the running theme, theme pretty much for a majority of last season. And no one seems to be able to either be able to deal with it or was prepared to deal with it this season it's felt a little bit different we haven't felt as intense or as sharp in that front three um and you know essentially nothing has changed with those players um i know people been talking about uh, you know has salah's confidence gone a little bit or is something is he suffering in some way i mean he still called, scored three goals a season um and you yeah, between them they've, they've between Mane, um, Salah and Firmino, they've still got like nine league goals, is it, between them? It's not that they're not scoring, it's just they're not up to that intense, you know, ridiculous level of last season. Um, So, yeah, I think teams have got wise to it in a sense that I can imagine teams now, managers will specifically be targeting, you know, Firmino, 
Salah, Mane to mark and to be on them, to not give them anything. And that was the case today with Salah and what I've noticed in the last couple of games with Salah as well. He's just not been given any time at all because, as, as we saw last season, you give him a few seconds, he does something amazing and he'll score a goal. But it's those few seconds he's denied. It's just, it's sort of smothering him a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's because, I mean, we'd say we're not as potent as, as we were last season attacking so far. Um, but I think it's easier to sort of ignore potential worries like that. I mean, in the sense that we're still winning games. We're still mm. basically joint top of the league with Chelsea and City. I think we are. Yeah, I think we're all yes, on 20 we points. Yep. Um, Unbeaten in the league. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I, on one hand, I feel it's it's easy to, 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 to sort of overlook this for the moment because we're not... If we were losing, or if we were drawing more games, if we were two, three, four, five places low down, it would be more of a prevalent issue, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's been masked. I think a little bit, a little bit more because we have been still been like grind, either grinding out or even comfortably so against teams like West Ham being the season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because I don't really know what has changed. But I mean, can anything Salah's confidence is not because of the injury he got in Champions League final? I mean. And then the disappointing World Cup and the yeah, whole I issue mean, with the Egyptian FA. He's got a lot on his plate, bless yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, whether he, he has got some slight burnout or not, I mean, he was phenomenal last season. Then he, he got that injury in the final. Then he went to the World Cup, you know, still sort of carried the Egypt team as far as they went anyway. Um, so I don't know. I just I, I do find it interesting how people do pick players like Salah out. But I guess it's normal because he had such a phenomenal season last season. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of inevitable, really, I think. I mean, I'm going to come to Sam now, but I think with the whole Salah thing, I think it's a bit mental, to be honest with you, because if you think he's going to hit those heights again this season, you're deluded and he would be a superhuman to break all those records again. Those records are there for a reason. They're like once in a lifetime, once in a career opportunity to break them. And it's quite normal for a player to have an amazing first season and him go off the boil second season. It's happened to some of the greats. It happens. It doesn't mean he's bad. It's also worth noting as well, the front three this time last season were not clicking there might just be a bunch of late bloomers that sort of progress and get better later on in the season it's quite nice that goals are coming from everywhere Sam I'm going to come to you because Stephen also added another point to that question I want to get your thoughts on the front three but he said that you know the, the link between the attack and midfield seems really disjointed and we thought Naby Keita could provide that and maybe that's why we were aggressively trying to you know recruit maybe a player like Nabil Fakir and stuff and it's, it is worth noting that, you know, that there is a bit of a disconnect between the attack and midfield because what I find is when Liverpool play, a lot of our attack comes from, from the wide position. So, you know, players like Trent Alexander-Arnold, Robert, Robertson, and then you have like Mane and Salah doing the overlapping run. And that's where it comes from. In my opinion, it never really quite comes from central positions. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's a really good point. I actually touched on a similar point about Fakir in a recent podcast. And, you know, it's something we have noticed. We've got a very good midfield at the moment, but you've got to admit they are quite workmanlike. Yes. I, 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 don't, I don't feel like the opposition is scared that Wijnaldum, Milner or Henderson are going to burst through, beat a man and play in a great through ball to set one of the boys away. 
maybe don't feel like they're going to do it. Ox was a great guy for that for us at the tail end of last season. He was absolutely pivotal in some of the great performances for Liverpool, especially against City. Um, Naby Keita is the only other one we have, in my opinion, at the moment. And that's going to take a bit of time. So I can totally understand why they were going for Fekir. Uh, so much so that he's actually done it this season at the Etihad against City. And I don't know if you saw that goal. It was the most Jurgen Klopp goal you'll ever see. Yeah. He, he Came pressed, pressing, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he pressed the, pressed the guy. Gags would have loved it. Um, pressed the guy, won the ball, played, I think it was like a little one-two, got the ball back and pinged it into the bottom corner. It was absolutely stunning stuff. Reminiscent a bit of some of the goals Chamberlain scored for us last season. So totally get why we were going for him. Bit of mystery around why we didn't get him in the end. You never know. We might be back in for him. Or we might be thinking his knee's gone and we'll go for someone else. But it, it's clear there is a bit of a need there. We, we're, we've got control of games now. We're so much more solid at the back. Which is why now we're able to nick these points on these really tight games. And it, it's it's so, so vital. So we're, we're looking loads more solid. So just think about it. When we do finally get this front three clicking, we're going to be really, really hard to beat and, and we'll be winning loads of games so I, I'm not worried about the start of the season in fact I'm absolutely delighted with it it's, it's strange how we've got a negative spin on 20 points from 8 games when <laughs> I, can't, exactly. I can't remember ever doing that before and we're complaining it's nuts and we've had Spurs away we've had Chelsea away and we've played one of the greatest ever champions possibly the greatest ever champions of the Premier League so we need a bit of a bit of a reality check. I know we're excited. I know we've got a really good chance this season. We've got an excellent team. And I know we've been a bit underwhelming in some of the performances. But I think it's because we're just expecting to beat teams 4-0 all the time. And it's, it's just Are we football. the ruthless salt of the, uh, of the football fan base, Stephen? And Say that again, sorry. We're like the ruthless salt, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I want it now. <laughs> uh, exactly. That's exactly what we're like. We're, we're spoiled. And we, we really are spoiled because when was the last time we were this good? Genuinely, I'm not basing it on the last couple of performances necessarily, but we've, we've got the tools there. And you know, we, we've got a caveat this as well. There's a Carabao Cup game in, in there, which I don't think our heart was in. And there was a away game against Napoli where, fair enough, Napoli played excellently. We, we can have an off day. Loads of caveats there as well. I think our eyes are on this game. But all the signs are showing that we're all going in a really positive direction. We played probably the hardest fixtures out of any of us in the top six Mm -hmm. as well. So, you know, these 20 points are worth that little bit more. We've just drawn away to Chelsea and at home against a fantastic, a really, really fantastic Man City side. So, bit of a reality check. We're doing great. We're doing so, so well. And if we look at the fixtures coming up as well, we've got some really winnable games coming up. So, you know, it, it's it's Huddersfield and we've got Cardiff as well. Um, we have got Arsenal away coming after that. But just, you know, think about that. By the 3rd of November, we'd have played Arsenal away as well. And then we'll just have the two Manchester clubs away from home remaining out of the top six for the rest of the season. So we, we've got easier fixtures coming up as well. Um, this midfield... I think it's going to improve. We're going to get Keita firing. We're going to get a bit more control with Fabinho. Let's not panic and let's just enjoy a really solid start. 
I, I think the international breaks come at a good time now as well. Just mm-hmm. for us to re- regroup. We've had a really tough time. It feels like a few of the players are carrying knocks. You know, Van Dijk got a little knock. Um, Kate does had a knock in this run. Uh, no surprise now that Milner's pulled up with a hamstring injury. He's been doing a lot of minutes recently. So I think the boys need a little little mini break now. Uh, international break. Come back and absolutely tear Huddersfield to shreds. Absolutely. It does feel like it's taken a lot out of them, boss, physically and, you know, like mentally as well. Stephen, you've heard what um, the lads have said there about the attack. I want to get your response. Um, I, th- I think they make some very, very good points. I think, you know, you can't really grumble. You're joint top. Not not at all. Um, I, I, I totally agree with everything that's been said, um, you know, and I, th- I think there's been some salient points made there. Um, and I, I give, I'm putting the Premier League on notice for when these guys do start hitting the back of the net again. I think it's, we're going to be hashtag a problem. Um, <laughs> people are going to have to cope with that. Um, and you know, even just, just, just to look at today, um, you could, you could sense that the, the, the Man City, um, team really respect our forward line in the way that they defended. They, you know, they didn't take as many chances as they would have taken with, against other teams. They weren't holding on to the ball as long as they would. They were, you know, they were keeping it very simple. Um, and they didn't venture forward as much, um, as I've seen them do in other games. So, you know, that's all attributes to what our attack can do. And I think one thing I, I pick out from having observed Klopp's team for a while now is that we defend from the front. Um, and, as much as we're crediting the improvement in our defensive form to having improved players such as Van Dyke in the team and Allison in the team, you have to give credit to the work that the, the, the three attackers do without the ball. Um, you know, they, they get through a shift every game. Um, and they might not be hitting the back of the net, but they're still contributing massively. Um, and, you know, just to touch on the, the midfield conundrum again um and talk about you know what i mentioned about fakir um do we think that that fakir role could be played by shack big shack at some point perhaps mike i'll come to you do, do you think it's doable because um i think what people like about um uh... Um, big Shaq, Shakiri, I love that guy. Um, is the fact that you know when you're playing a team that's just going to set up in like two banks of four and you've got no space, he has the ability to kind of um you know score a wonder goal, a majestic goal, and I think that's one of the things that um we lack in this team. You know, just that moment of magic, set pieces as well. He's also very very good at pressing as well. Do you think he could sort of demonstrate all that in midfield? Do you think he could be that option? Uh, potentially. I mean, he's obviously no, you know, no, no disrespect to him. He's no replacement for for a Coutinho no. sort of role. But um, he's been. He actually, I feel, he's been quite impressive when he has come on. And obviously, Klopp has used him more so as a substitute for what fifteen, twenty minutes of the game. And when he has come on, he's looked hungry. He's looked. He's looked ready to and, and desperate to score. And you know, he has got amazing ability. Not sure. I'm just not sure he. I don't know. I'm. I'm not sure he's quite got the engine in him for to be doing that for the entire game, week in, week out. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think I do. F- I do feel that Klopp is utilising him effectively for now mm. um, by not having him as a, as a starter and playing every game. Like today, you know, he did, he, he didn't come on, did he? Um, 
But, I mean, you know, he could have easily come on for 15, 20 minutes today, you know, sort of manhandled his way around the attacking midfield area and potentially have, have, have caused some trouble. Um, I still think, yeah, we probably do need another top, top quality player to potentially do what Coutinho was doing on that sort of edge of the box, being a magician, basically. Um, not saying Shakiri can't do that, but I think there are still options to explore in terms of um, new faces coming in for, for, for a more permanent sort of fixture in that starting 11, for example. Absolutely. And uh, Sam, I'm going to come to you because you kind of touched on this. Ox filled that role pretty well, didn't he? We almost did miss Coutinho, you know, towards the latter end of last season, you know, before his unfortunate injury. I felt like, in, in a way, it was a kind of a blessing that Coutinho went off because I felt like that was a time for, you know, somebody like Ox to really shine in that role. Um, your thoughts on maybe Shaq sort of filling, filling the boots while some Ox gets back to full fitness? Or do you think maybe Klopp has got his eye on, on another attacking midfielder. Re- really good show to Shaq, actually. I'd kind of forgotten about him when we were chatting just now. Um, he's someone who's shown real promise, and he's been a lot better than a lot of people would have expected, I think. Um, he's He's been tarred with the brush of being a Stoke player, <laughs> which is very unfortunate. But <laughs> it, it's clear to see what Klopp and the guys have, have seen in him and why they've targeted him as a player. He, he works a lot harder than people give him credit for. He, he's been kind of portrayed as a bit of a Dimitri Payet kind of lazy player that just scores wonder goals for the highlights reel and, and isn't really a team player. Um, it hasn't been helped by teammates like Charlie Adam talking rubbish about him as well. So to see the guy come in and play so well so early doors, it's really, really promising. And I think he will have a role to play before the end of the season. Um, midfield would be interesting, actually, if we are short on numbers or have a few knocks. Uh, as long as we've got quite defensive or, or good tackling players as the other two midfielders with him, potentially in the games when it is a bit close and it's nil-nil, he's the kind of guy that can score a goal. Uh, teams at the moment aren't really scared about Milner, Henderson and Wijnaldum shooting. So they're giving them a bit more space than they wouldn't do some of these other players. And I think it's leaving Salah, Firmino, Amane. They're really marked up and they're not getting any space whatsoever. The, the ball's getting to them a lot slower at the moment. So I think when they do receive the ball, they're really in trouble before So I think that's a lot of the reason why they're malfunctioning. And I think a lot of people have forgotten about Emre Chan. And a lot of people have just kind of brushed it aside, gone, ah, he was crap anyway. And, you know, didn't really rate the guy and, and just forgotten about it because he started the season so well, points-wise. But there's no doubt about it. Emery Chan was someone who could carry the ball. He had aggression. He, he, he'd be bursting forward past players. And he'd try these elaborate through balls, balls over the top trying to set up goals and you know a lot of the time maybe they didn't come off but he was someone who would try he wasn't scared to try something adventurous so maybe he's someone that we've kind of underestimated the effect of losing as well but you know I'm really happy with us I think Shakiri's going to come through really well 
and all the other guys are going to come through really well. So it's it's not panic stations, and I think maybe it's a great point. We might just be back in in January for an attacking midfielder. Watch this space, according to Sam Evans. Well, Stephen, thank you so much uh, for your call. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, panel. Nope, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for calling. Cheers. Take care, guys. You too. Bye. So that was Stephen Balligan, our, our last caller on the Nina Casa show. Now it's just myself, Sam and Mike, and we are going to discuss some loose ends that we maybe didn't discuss with the callers. But a point that Stephen did make, he discussed the penalties and how relieved he was. So, Sam, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, some scary moments. You know you're playing a quality team. I mean, first of all, you know, Jurgen Klopp kind of tinkers the back four ever so slightly, brings in Dejan Lovren. And, you know, let's kind of discuss the penalties right now because, you know, we were speaking with Gags um, prior to recording the show and Gags kind of summarised it so well. You know, he, sa- he said that Dejan Lovren almost had like, um, you know, a Jekyll and Hyde kind of performance where, you know, he put in some great blocks, but, you know, could have given away two penalties today. And we're not even going to discuss, you know, we'll get to the verge of Van Dyke one in a minute, but, you know, some massive let-offs there. I, I was picturing Liverpool Twitter <laughs> as soon as Joe Gomez completely scuffed that clearance oh and it gosh yes straight. in the first half yeah oh i could already see twitter it, it just the love it had to be Lovren as well so i was so relieved for Lovren where he had a bit of luck because i think overall he, he's had a, he's had a two scares today right which is typical Lovren, and it's it's so frustrating because i think he, if you take those out of the game he's had a really good game today and i i very rarely say this about Lovren because <laughs> <laughs> he's you 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 remember the mistakes though, don't you? You know, if you'd given that penalty away and it was given and they scored it, and they gave the second one away and they scored it, it would be Lovren horror show. What are they thinking? Putting him back in the team, absolute disaster. But what I will say is, it's the worst performance we've seen from Joe Gomez this season. No coincidence. It's because he's been put back on the right back position. He wasn't terrible. I'm not saying that, but. Gave the ball away terribly a couple of times and, and looked uneasy in that position. So and, you know, for a young defender as well, it's worth noting, he played him and Trent Alexander-Arnold shared that role last season. And he had, you know, a few... I remember the game against Arsenal where he got found out a little. And when you're a young centre-back, like, that can... It could have been a crushing sort of lesson for him, but he came back. He came back as a centre-back this season and he's looked incredible, at times better than Van Dijk. And to then put him back in that position again, it it can be tricky and risky, but Klopp yeah. didn't really have an option. Yeah, well, that's it. And he's he stepped up. He's been brave. He, he didn't chirk anything. He went into the tackles really hard. He was ambitious. He tried some passes that didn't come off. Uh, but you could see his usual composure that he's shown this season, which has been incredible, by the way. And mm. he's, he's quite possibly had more... He's, he's had more better performances than Van Dijk than the other way around yeah. this season so far. So it's, it's such a credit to the guy. He's so young as well. People forget how young he is because he's been here a little while now. So he's been exceptional at, at centre-back this season. I just think it's it's he's taken his momentum away a little bit by putting him in, in right-back. And that chance which set up the nearly penalty for Aguero, where he just shinned the ball when he had loads of time to bring it down and nearly set up a penalty for them, was was kind of emblematic of the kind of game he had where he looked a little bit nervy. But, you know, back to the penalty itself, I just couldn't believe 
Lovren just swung a leg at it straight away, <laughs> kicked the guy, and I went down, and I just waiting for the... Looked at the ref dead sheepish yeah. as well. Straight away, looked at the ref, waiting for the hand to go, point to the spot, and he just went, you know what, guys, last season you had the worst decisions when it comes to penalties all season. We were so, so unlucky with penalties, both ends, giving away ones that weren't pens, uh, Everton one, for example, and not given a number of stonewall penalties. So I just think, I think this season is where we get that bit back. Let's hope so. We get the, the decisions the other way around, because to me, that was a stonewall penalty. Um, my opinion regards to the second one, where, where Lovren's hand came round, I think that was just accidental. You know, he, he caught him in the mouth, but I think Jesus was trying to buy the penalty on that one. So I think, you know, overall, I think Lovren, I, I'm going to say this on a pod for the first time, had a, had a really good game. It was just, it does scare you though when he's playing because he always has that moment mm. and he needs to cut that out. It, it, it's something that there's no excuse for. There was no need to do that. He's, he's very rash and, and because he's aggressive and rash is why sometimes he gets these amazing tackles in like he did today. He got in really aggressively, pushed players off the ball. I get it. That, you know, that's one of his biggest strengths. But at the same time, when you're in the box, you need to use your head a bit more. And that's when it becomes his biggest weakness. For sure, for sure. Uh, and Mike, I'm going to come to you. Uh, interesting hearing Sam's points there about Dejan Lovren. Because all season, I think we can all say in the league, we've been quite happy and quite composed and quite relaxed when you see Virgil van Dijk with Gomez and Alisson. And, you know, that's, you know, those three are like your, you know, like your your main defense, and then you got your fullbacks in, you know, Young Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. You're confident, you're quite happy. The defense has, you know, not been leaking goals and conceding goals. And granted, today they didn't concede, and that's great. But um, you know, the two, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, De- you know, Deshaun Lovren coming back into into, into the defense. <laughs> you know, there's, there's like two penalty shots for it against him. Well, I mean, I won't, I won't lie. When I heard Lovren was coming back into the team especially for such a huge game yeah i was very skeptical yeah me too because why change why change a winning formula i think trent was unlucky to then be on the bench especially on his birthday yeah happy birthday Um, trent yeah exactly (laughs) and yeah it was it was unfortunate he was on the bench because he's been great and as we've discussed joe gomez has been fantastic a centre-back working with van dyke and yeah, if Lovren had to give away a penalty or done something that that directly cost us a game, Klopp would have come under fire. The fan base would have gone into meltdown. It would have been, you know, talks of same old Liverpool, you know, giving games away, you know, Lovren up to his old tricks. But I think he is he he is unfairly. Um, um, negatively spoken about at times um, because he does have good games and to be fair today apart from yes there were two incidents where he could have potentially given away these two penalties I think they were very um, contentious and the second one especially when he put his arm around that was his I feel that was his his movement turning around it wasn't particularly a raised arm or anything like that Um, the Aguero one it looked like a little bit of a shove, but I think, obviously, from from a Liverpool support supporter perspective, 
wouldn't wouldn't give them. But obviously, we'd feel aggrieved if we we didn't get the decision. I think Aguero's non-reaction really helped as well. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, I didn't even think that was a penalty. Yeah, that nor 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 the arm one for me didn't really constitute as a penalty, and, and I'm glad they they weren't given. Um, obviously, the Van Dyke one was a was a bit of a an obvious one, and as 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 obviously as as brilliant as Van Dyke is, and how assured he is on the ball, and how, and how solid our defence are looking, which is something we shouldn't overlook, is what a massive improvement our defence has become. While we talk about maybe our strikers not performing, mm. it's good to know that even if they're not and we're not scoring goals, our defence aren't going to be leaking them or giving away stupid goals or commit, you know, committing errors like we have been in God knows how many previous seasons because that's been our biggest um, area we've, we've needed to improve on our defence and we've done that. Um, saying that, Van Dijk does very occasionally have his moments of madness you know last season against Tottenham giving away a penalty in the dying seconds and see to um, me that wasn't a penalty like I I argued till I was blue in the face I did my post match so it was not a penalty to me it was soft and you know what I'll be honest with you uh, yeah, this was a penalty because there was contact, but like the way Gary Neville was talking about it, like Stonewall penalty that, and I'm like, you know, if it was at a different angle, it's a good job the ref got the angle absolutely spot on because if you see from another angle, it almost looks like he got the ball before he made um, made any connect um, connection to Leroy Sane, and it, it's infuriating because I thought that the commentators really wanted us to lose and every penalty that it was it was almost like leg breakers in the box the way they were sort of talking about them mm. and that really wasn't the case I mean yeah I've seen the Van Dyke one given and it was given I mean and let's discuss that because I thought Virgil van Dyke had a great game today and that was the moment of madness that you talk about but Mares. <laughs> I mean, can we just take a moment? I mean, what was he thinking? I mean, I'd, I've not seen any post-match reaction. I've not even gone on Twitter yet. But, you know, to go up to um, Jesus and say, I'm going to take this penalty, when you know your record is dreadful, that's like a Jordan Henderson equivalent for us, stepping up to take the penalty, right, guys? Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's a weird one. And obviously, I don't think Guardiola was very pleased at the time. And obviously... As, as complimentary to Liverpool as he may be in the post-match and, you know, gracious with, with a nil-nil draw and obviously not nicking three points at the end, um, he's not going to be pleased with Mares, especially the, the dispute they had on, on the pitch. And, and you could just see Aguero on the bench just absolutely reeling when they got the penalty and also when it was obviously taken and skyrocketed. He, he, he Him and Sterling were just... Uh, I mean, it's tragic from their perspective, but I mean, from ours, it was. I mean, I let out such a like a roar of relief when when he skied it. it was, I it laughed. Was, I it was great. Laughed. It was, you know, like it was just Charlie Adams levels. It was Dejan Robson <laughs> levels. It was just hilarious. It, you know, high and wide. I'm sorry if you're gonna fuck it up, do it like that. That's all I'm gonna say. At least, oh yeah. I mean, he could he could have at least got it on target, but. <laughs> yeah, it 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 would it would have been typical Liverpool, especially in previous seasons, if we'd conceded that penalty like we did, and then City had scored, and we just lost one 0 and that would have just been a very typical. Uh, we almost did it, and then it just eluded us, and we just messed it up. But 
whether you know whether it was luck or whether it was just an, an awful awful penalty you know it's nice to have that on our side for once and it's yeah it, it, it's just it's a good feeling to uh not let City nick it right at the end even though I would have happily taken a penalty for us right at the end but oh, yeah, you know yeah absolutely but no Milner on the pitch for us as well so there's another conundrum for you Sam I want to get your exactly. thoughts yeah I want to get your thoughts on Virgil van Dijk so the penalty shout and of course um you know Mares before we move on yeah totally regards to the van Dijk penalty I thought it was a stonewall penalty myself personally as soon as I saw him going for the tackle I just kind of slapped my forehead and just said that's a penalty all day long uh, my brother thought it, he might have got a bit of the ball, but as soon as he saw the replay, it looked like he just didn't quite get a touch on it. I think maybe it was Sani's pace that, that deceived him slightly and he thought he could just get a toe on it, but mm. uh, unfortunately, he's totally misjudged it. And you know, I can't argue with that penalty. It was a pen and we moved on. And then it just baffles me, right, when it comes to these really top teams, multi-billion pound industries, and penalties it seems to be something that teams don't sort out you know for me they should have five who takes the penalty mm. and it's so often you see the squabbling over penalties happening it should be as simple as Aguero's taking the penalty if he's on the pitch this guy just you know don't get me wrong I'm delighted it happened because the amount of times you see a little squabble before the penalty the guy then who steps up to take it inevitably, inevitably cocks it up. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, 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 it's just that little bit of pressure put on them then because they've made an idiot of themselves by having a little squabble. And then so often you see them sky it then. It's, it's mad how it happens, but I've seen it so many times. But, you know, on, on Sky, they showed that little graphic of where Maris had taken his recent penalties. Yeah. And he had three to the right. Well, his yeah. his right then, which mm. he'd missed. And it was just the one that went into the left. So in my head, I was thinking, he, he's going to act like he's going that way because he seems to favour that side, but then try to hit the left. And that's exactly what he did. And yeah. it led to him being off target, basically. So It's landed in Goodison. <laughs> <laughs> I, let's be honest, Nina, that hasn't landed yet. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's still going. Uh, but uh, I'm so <laughs> I'm so happy, and I think I think we deserved it. I don't think we we did, did not deserve to lose that game. No, I agree. It was a really solid game of football. It was lacking in a bit of final third quality, but I think it, it's I hate the cliche of cancelling each other out, right? But it was a little bit of each team was a bit scared of the other team's attack, so they were maybe playing slightly more conservatively than they would do normally and they didn't want to give anything cheap away so they, they didn't overcommit at any point so um overall a really 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 good point for us absolutely and i think you're spot on with the look thing as well the fact that we got away with two penalties and then the third one he had to give and then we got lucky in the sense that they missed we didn't deserve to lose um we've got to move on now i think we've got to give a bit of um a bit of a mention to this guy because there's been a lot of talk about the midfield, but for me, there was one guy that really stood out today and I felt like he was everywhere. Um, I, I would love to see the numbers on under pressure and see how much ground he covered because he was doing so much defensive work, putting in so many blocks. And 
And for for some reason, I feel like against Manchester City at Anfield, even in the Champions League, this guy really does bring his game. And I'm talking about Jordan Henderson. And I want to get your thoughts on him because I thought he had a very good game. I thought he had, you know, his sort of ideal sort of pressing game. And he's playing in the kind of deepest role as well, which we're not really comfortable with him seeing that, you know, with him playing there. But I thought he he handled um, the, the position really well. And Mike, I'll come to you first. What did you make of Jordan Henderson? Because from the midfielders, I thought he was the one that, he was wherever the ball was, basically. Yeah, I'm glad you said it was Henderson because that's exactly who I was thinking about. And he was noticeably one of our better midfielders and, and players throughout the whole game because he was everywhere. He was physical. He was intercepting. He was he was threading balls through. He was just doing so much work. And I think, yeah, he was one of the most impressive players in our team, I think. Um, i say despite the defence being fairly solid mm. um, and our attack being a little bit lacklustre, he was the standout in the middle of the park and I think in the past I've sort of been a little bit sceptical about whether Henderson would still be a starter with with our new signings coming in and Klopp wanting to be a bit more sort of having a bit more of a, a higher tempo with speed. But I mean, he's still pretty high tempo and, he, and he, he's still got a very good engine on him. Um, so based on what he was like today, you'd, you'd want to have him in that three, in that midfield, in that, in that three because um, he does such a great job um, and obviously he's club captain as well and I think he set a very good example today Absolutely I mean Sam I want to get your thoughts because I think Mike's made some good points I thought you know Henderson did have a very very good game today and it'll be in, you know the, the numbers again I can't wait to see those but I feel like sometimes Henderson the problem is he's an inconsistent kind of player in that role Usually he's terrible at that role. Today he was good at it. And I feel like he's one of them that really sort of, um, it depends on the opposition. And I think Manchester City really suit how he plays. I want to get your thoughts on on Jordan Henderson today. I think Henderson is very much a victim of looking like, you know, I touched earlier on being a conservative midfield, maybe not a midfield full of guile and tricks and flicks and he's just a really solid midfielder and I think people are expecting David Silva or something you know it, it's it's not his game he's not that type of midfielder he's just got one hell of an engine on him he, he puts the work in he puts the tackles in and he can spray the passes you know you're never going to get anything spectacular from Henderson you know, the, the ceiling of his performance it is at a certain level, and we know where that is. But teams need a player of this type of standard sometimes, and he, he's a guy that can drag the team through an occasion. So, I, I think he had a solid game today. I maybe don't think he had as good a game as as you both did. Uh, personally, I thought Wijnaldum stood out far more than than Henderson my, myself today. Uh, I thought Wijnaldum broke a play really, really well. He received the ball in really, really tight areas and, and managed to wriggle out of the position and get us back on the attack. But, mm. you, know, you know, taking nothing away from Henderson, he's done a really good job today against possibly the best midfield in the league. So let's put it in perspective. The guy is putting in some decent performances for us. And I think we, we are just expecting too much from these guys. We're expecting them to do everything. And, 
it's just not their style. So they're doing the jobs that they can do really, really well. Um, you know, we touched earlier on us getting an attacking player in. We probably will. Um, that we had rumours recently emerging again about Aaron Ramsey. Watch this space. Maybe we'll get someone like that in January. But uh, can I just being, can I just go on record and say no, thank you to that one? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! I'm Welsh, Noni. Now you can't, <laughs> right? We, we've only got two good players. <laughs> you can't have this Aaron Ramsey. Maybe three. You can't forget about Joe Allen as well. But, we I think I think a lot of people actually, on a side note, do underrate uh, Aaron Ramsey. But uh, I think you'd be surprised. What's the gender's coming out now? <laughs> he's, he's, no, I think I think you'd be surprised. His numbers and and his uh, Sam Maguire actually came up with some stats the other day in one of the chats, and his numbers are insane. So I th- I can see why maybe Liverpool would be interested in him because of his uh, some of the things he could bring to this team that we don't have at the moment. Mm-hmm. But. Um, in general, I'm happy with our midfield. I think it controls three quarters, maybe more than 75% of games throughout the season. Mm. We are in the ascendancy in, in most games. And we're not going to be able to do that if we have a crap midfield. So we are seriously underrating our guys. And I think we just need to get behind them now. And this is the squad now until at least January. Let's just support the guys. I'm really enjoying this season so far. and. It's again, I'm loving my cliches today. It's great to see the team, they've been winning without particularly playing well or firing on all cylinders. Just think what's going to happen when we are starting to fire. Absolutely. I mean, I love the fact that you brought up Ginny Wijnaldum there as well. And I think one thing that you have to give a lot of credit for Ginny Wijnaldum is it's a simple fact that I think he's consistently been great. And it was something that Stephen said on, um, Stephen Balligan said before we kind of got this. Um, pod on you know got it recording and he kind of said that oh you know he's he's been amazing today so you know there's a lot of people that share your thoughts and Mike I mean I feel like this midfield today was kind of set up yeah you know we've kind of had a little whinge about oh they don't create much and there's a a bit of a disconnect between the attack and the midfield but like Sam said it broke up play and it, you know, like people like Ginny Wijnaldum played those short little passes. You know, Jordan Henderson was out help, you know, helping out Joe Gomez on on the right sided, you know, a right, you know, the right back position and stuff. And you know, th- they were they were bodies and they were working hard, but just you can't expect everything from your midfield. And I felt like that's what they were lacking today—just the attacking little spark. Exactly, and, and you've, you, I mean, as, as I mentioned before, you got to remember it, it's Man City playing against it's you know and a disrespect to any other team in the league but you know obviously Man City are you know based on how they won the league last season one of the best teams in, in years um so I, I don't yeah I don't think it's a case of um anyone particularly underperforming or even well we've just got players not gelling together it's it, you know we, we were all pretty solid we did a job and you know, how many shots did Man City end up having on target? The, you know, I think in the first half, we between us, there must have been like, I think there was like one or two in the first half, I think it was. Mm. It was really low. And when you look at Man City, how they can go to sides, whether they're playing at home or away, and they can demolish teams. They can demolish teams 5-6-0 if they want to. The fact is they didn't really even get a chance on goal. And that was with Aguero playing. And obviously De Bruyne, uh, De Bruyne is still injured, but they basically had a, a pretty strong 
team out there. I think it does speak volumes, like how far we've come since even you know since when when Rogers left, and how how Klopp has shaped our team into a much more solid unit in general. Um, but yeah, just going back to to Jordan Henderson very briefly, I, f- I just feel like he he's he can be underrated and underappreciated, not only potentially by some of our own fans, but I feel like a lot of other supporter groups would look at players like Henderson, even when Alden be like, they don't really do much. Because unless you actually watch them week in, week out, you don't tend to see exactly how valuable they are. Because um, they're essentially a bit like a Kante player where they, they run around, they do a lot of work, but they don't necessarily get goals and assists, which is what a lot of people tend to base things on. Um, so yeah, I think... Henderson is, can be a little bit unfairly treated, I think, by, by football supporters in general. Agreed. I, I second that. And I feel like certainly against, you know, with him sort of, um, with Liverpool supporters as well, I feel like he's got that horrible task of like, I don't know, almost like he gets compared to like a Steven Gerrard and they're just completely well, yeah, exactly. different players. And he's that's got the pressure, not fair. hasn't he? Mm. Um, so much pressure as Liverpool captain and, and you know, so I had no respect to him again. He's 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 not Steven Gerrard. He's you know not not many players are. Um, nope. So to have to step into that role at such a you know a stage of his career where you know he he wasn't our he wouldn't win games for us. He wouldn't be scoring goals. He wouldn't be getting assists. He wouldn't be man the match. But he was made captain. I think it was a massive pressure on him. And um, while he say he isn't consistent in you know as much as you really want or need him to be as a captain when he is good he is very good and he he may stamps his mark on the game say despite not scoring or getting his assists as many as you really want him to it'd be nice if you could get be getting them a lot more regularly i think it would give him a bit more validity in terms of other supporters outside of liverpool looking at him and sort of not just being negative about him which i feel is what a lot of people are yeah, I, I think so too. I think Jordan Henderson is definitely a player with limitations. We know his limitations. We know that what he can do and what he can't do. Um, I I also feel like obviously there are much better midfielders now that are, you know, where, you know, he is kind of upgraded, but he's a great option to have from the bench to start against certain oppositions. And, you know, that's how I feel about Jordan Henson. But today, I thought he had a really good game. I'm quite happy he signed that contract extension. You need good players on the bench. He is a good player. You know what he does. He's hard worker. He's a grafter. All those things considered. I mean, guys, I think we pretty much covered the game there. Is there any final points or thoughts you'd like to raise before we move on to Man of the Match? Yeah, um, just wanted to point out, because it's, it's nice to end on a bit of a positive. Um, we're, we're 20 points from eight games. That's 2.5 points a game. Uh, let, let's be honest. That's a really, really good start to this season. Um, you know, we're, we're on course then for 95 points for the season at this moment in time, having already played Spurs away, Chelsea away, and Man City. So the negativity isn't really necessary. We're doing great, guys, and we've got some easier games to come up. So I just wanted to say. Let's bring it on. We're, we're, we've had a great start now without really firing. It, it's it's going to get easier for us now. We're going to start scoring some goals now against Huddersfield. Let's get behind the team. And Mike, what about you? Yeah, I agree that we've, we've had a great start. Obviously, you know, 
we'd been top of the league for a good for quite a few weeks already. Um, so we are still joint top of the league and we are undefeated. Uh, we haven't been, we have considered a few goals, but we, we've kept quite a few clean sheets as well. And in, in, I think we've kept, is it half, half clean sheets in the league so far? It's like four out of eight, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the, uh, an international break has come at a good time to maybe just have a little bit of a rest or, well, whether players will get a rest or not. In terms of playing in, in the intensity of the Premier League, it's nice to have a bit of a break. Milner can sort of, get himself back fit from whatever he is um, suffering from now. And, yeah, as you're saying, there's a couple of, of ideally better games coming up. So we can start getting three points and just keeping up with City and Chelsea then. There's not really a lot to complain about, to be honest. Yeah, and I think my positive from that, everything what you guys have said there for me as well we started off so bright as well the complete polar opposite of what we saw against Napoli so it really looked like the Reds were up for it and then I felt like as the game I mean we didn't really um you know capitalize on on the chances that were presented albeit they were very slim I also like the fact that in hindsight that then City then decided to apply the pressure and a lot of it you know, certainly in the last sort of 20 minutes of the first half and it felt like, you know, the commentators were over-egging it as well. But the fact that Liverpool kind of held their own, kept their composure, didn't fall apart, which was something that an old Liverpool side would do when a great team applies that much pressure. And for me, I take a massive positive in that. That, to me, was a very, very grown-up professional performance. And, you know, you, like you said, all the tough games are pretty much played now. I'm quite happy with that. So, yeah, um, uh, the international break has come at a really good time, as Sam said. And we move on now to some very easy games. Yep, that's pretty much the game discussed. But before we leave, we've got to do Man of the Match. And, Sam, I'm going to come to you first. Who was your Man of the Match? Because I don't think anyone really played particularly bad today. It was, just a, it was a great team that we faced. So I want to get your thoughts. Who's your Man of the Match and why? Yeah, give credit to City. He really did stop the, the the front three getting any sort of rhythm going today. So I can't really give any of them the man of the match myself. Uh, personally, I, I've touched on him once already. Is is Genie Wijnaldum for me? I think he stood out a mile compared to our other midfielders on the pitch today. Um, you know, the, I would have maybe looked at one of the centre backs, but. Lovren could have given a penalty away quite carelessly, and and Van Dijk actually did. So uh, even though their performances were really good on the whole, um, maybe that's reasons why I haven't picked them. And I think Genie Aldum today, I thought he was an absolute engine. I'd be interested to see his pressing numbers from Gags now when Under Pressure Pod comes out. Uh, so I think his his pressing was excellent. His ball retention was excellent. And he just kept things ticking over really nicely. So for me, yet again, really good performance from Genie this season, proving a lot of people. And for me, man of the match, Genie Wijnaldum. Nice shout there. And what about yourself, Mike? Uh, I think Genie is a good shout. But I mean, the thing is, as you said, I don't think for me, no one really stood out and as as really good or really bad. Um, it's hard with a nil-nil to sort of... It's, it takes a lot more assessment, I think, to try and pick out an outstanding player. But for me, I think, I think Henderson was our sort of solid central midfielder, sort of keeping everything in check and being everywhere and doing everything he could, really. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if Van Dijk hadn't given away that penalty, I might have gone with Van Dijk because yeah. we were fairly solid at the back and we did suppress City 
pretty effectively. Where I say when you look at how many goals City scored last season, and to come here but hardly get any shots on target and to not score um, is a big achievement. But I think Henderson just sort of solidified that midfield and sort of yeah worked his ass off basically. Both great shouts. I mean. I have to agree with you. It's kind of hard. Who would you give it to? Uh, both of those midfielders for me were very good today. I personally am going to give it to, I'm going to give it to Jordan Henderson, uh, purely because he doesn't get enough love on this show. I don't think he gets enough love from Liverpool supporters. I felt like he, everything that he did, because normally people say, oh, he goes absent. You can't see what he does. He hides and, you know, he gets hit with that kind of narrative. And I felt like today that wasn't the case. He was breaking up play. And he was everywhere. And every time they had the ball, he was chasing it down. He was pressing. He was doing everything like the industry that he has. So I'm going to give it to Jordan Henderson. Ginny Wijnaldum is a great shout. I'm not saying he didn't have a bad game. I thought he had a very good game. So that's it for my part. Um, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, listeners. Who was your man of the match and your reasons why? Um, we could actually give it to Mares, actually, to be fair. I mean, <laughs> let's let's be honest. But guys, thank you so much for listening. A huge thank you to my callers. A massive thank you to Sam Evans and Mike Williams. But before you go, guys, anything you'd like to plug? Sam, come to you first. Uh, just been doing quite a few podcasts recently, so uh, give a listen to those and some of the excellent work on the Under Pressure pods um, on on the topic of being positive and not panicking about Salah and things like that uh, Gags and Dan had some awesome figures about Salah and how things are going to turn shortly so if I was you I'd subscribe to AI Pro and get have a listen to that because it's something that should really kind of ease your fears about this season and uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter I'm at Sambo Evans Do check out AI Pro and definitely give Sam a follow he's one of the sensible Liverpool fans on Twitter, so do check him out. He speaks a lot of sense. And what about yourself, Mike? What you know? What are you working on? Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Well, article-wise, I've got nothing to promote because I've sort of moved away from that and I've ventured into more social media territory um, for the moment. But if you anyone's interested in following me on Twitter, I'm very opinionated on there. Uh, it's Mike underscore P underscore Williams. Again, I follow him. He's awesome. So do check him out on Twitter as well. Um, but for my part, a massive thank you for listening. A massive thank you to all the guys that contributed today. It is the international break. So we're going to have a little break now, but don't lose your shit. We're joint top. We're unbeaten. There's nothing to whinge and mourn about. 20 points. That's good. And some easy games coming. And till next time, I will catch you in my next episode. And till then, up the Reds. Podcast Network.